Welcome to Mama Beaties, a podcast for women with type 1 diabetes by women with type 1 diabetes. Join us every Thursday as we navigate through pregnancy, birth and raising a child whilst living well with type 1 diabetes. The experiences shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Please see the guidance of your treating team before making any changes to your diabetes or pregnancy care. Today on Mama Beaties, we discuss the variety of pregnancy-related symptoms that we experience and the impact of these symptoms on our diabetes management. We also discuss what strategies we use to control our symptoms and where we sought help. Today your hosts are Carly, Rachel and Ash, and this is Mama Beaties. Well, I'd like to start today because I haven't seen your lovely faces on our Zoom chats or heard mm-hmm. from you face to face. I'm going to just say what is going on with your life and I'm going to start with you, Rachel. What has been happening with you? Yeah, so Will, oh gosh, next week Will's going to be 14 months old. So Ooh, I feel I like now, he just turned one. I know. I know right? and it's kind of that age where it's like, do I call him a baby? Do I call him a toddler? You know, because he's starting to do, he, he's starting to be so independent and do really cute things. Like he likes to poke his tongue out all the time and us will just stick our tongues out at each other. And um, yeah, no, he's really interactive. And we actually had to take him to get his first haircut the other Aww. day because um, it was getting, he was getting a bit of a mullet situation. And um, if he crawled around or rolled around too much, it would end up he'd get like bits of matted hair, no matter how much we brushed it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it cut. And I did the mum thing where I kept a little lock of it aside. <laughs> and he, he kind of didn't know what was going on. So yeah, now we've got that out of the way. And yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And I'm it's getting close to me thinking about returning to work and I'm trying to toss up my plans with him as to um, if he goes to childcare or things like that. So um, just seeing him grow so much has been, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty exciting, but I also, yeah, I'm a bit sad about like, I won't be around him as much. So yeah, we'll see what happens. And we've had school holidays. So my husband has been, Ray's been home with us and that's been lovely because Ray's the favorite parent at the moment. It must be like a thing when they get to a certain age that they just forget that you're the mum who like mm. grew them and loved them and like fed them and did all this yeah. stuff for them. And then they're like, Oh yeah, you over there in the corner. Like, Yeah. I, I think it's good because at this stage, I know that it's not going to last because there's been stages where I've been the favorite parent and it's like, okay, now he's old enough. I know it's going to change. And I think right now it's just the fact of that because uh, Ray's been at work so much and then Will's got this chance to see him over school holidays he's just automatically been the favorite but either way I'm not complaining it means hey he can have some bad time and I'll just go off and chill out so <laughs> I'm not gonna I don't want to burst your bubble but Drew's been the favorite parent for like well over 12 months now oh wow <laughs> when it first started when she first decided that she didn't love me the most anymore I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. This is a phase, blah, blah, blah. And then the phase just never ended, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm also fine with because Noah is obsessed with mum. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You go to dad and I'll have this other one over here. So, (laughs) But what about you, Ashley? How are you going? Yeah, we're going good. Um, We had a day of lows recently. So as pregnancy with type one does, we have been having more and more resistance and upping our insulin every single week. 
Um, and I'm now taking like four times the amount of insulin that I was taking pre-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and then I just had on Tuesday, I had a, a day full of lows. So I had something like eight lows Oof. in the day. And I just couldn't eat enough, couldn't get the blood sugars up, had temp basils on everything. Um, and at that day as well, I kind of realized that I had reduced movements. Um, so I just called the hospital and they said, well, just come in for an assessment. We'll just check out that everything's okay. Given, um, you know, your unusual diabetes pattern today and the change in movements. Cause I've had movements since week uh, 15. So mm. at that stage I've been having movements for 10 weeks. So it was unusual to not feel anything. Went in and spent like six lovely hours in the middle of the night in the obstetric ass- assessment unit. Um, and the baby was fine. We got to have a really good ultrasound of baby <laughs> at like 4 a.m. Um, so baby was fine. Everything was fine. They couldn't explain what was causing the lows or anything, but it was relieving to know that everything was okay. Anyway, what about yourself, Carly? Oh, well, oh, you've had an exciting few weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, part of the reason uh, I've been away uh, is because uh, Drury had an operation recently. Um, just a standard, uh, he had a hernia that was a result of a surgery he had a few years ago. Mm. Um, and then that didn't necessarily go to plan. Uh, so there was a few, uh, I don't know, I guess complications is the right word. He's, he's fine though. It just has meant that his recovery is not as expected and, uh, the surgery is more invasive than we expected and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just been like, I got three kids now because oh, wow. like, Drew can't, well, he's not meant to, he does, and it really bothers me, um, but he's not meant to pick up the kids. Uh, he's not meant to like lift more than five or six kilos, uh, and he's not like, he can't lay on his stomach, because um, that's where the hernia was, mm-hmm. and like he's, bless him, he's just a bit of a sook. Like, and I'm sure he is in quite a bit of pain. Like, I'm sure that this is all mm. legitimate stuff, but it's like, you know the man flu? Yeah, like let's just take some of those symptoms and like chuck them on, because like yeah. Anyway, so we've just been dealing with that, and he's getting he's on the flip side though. He's on he's getting much better, and he's got a lot more movement now, and um, he can drive again, which he wasn't initially allowed to do and stuff. So yeah, and kid wise, Noah's cut like three teeth since the last time we spoke oh um, wow awesome. yeah so this week he cut another tooth which has meant some sleepless nights for me um but that's fine because now he can like eat better food <laughs> so, <laughs> that's it yeah, yeah. we're at, we're at the we're at the holy for molars stage so i, I don't every uh, time you get extra teeth it's like yes <laughs> It's, um, yeah, so that's been good. And Isabel uh, is just, like, the height of, like, a teenager at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's decided that, like, she runs the house. So we'll tell her, you know, oh, Isabel, come on, get your shoes. It's time to go to school. Mino, go to school. And it's like, oh, okay, no worries, mate. (laughs) You'll just stay here by yourself. (laughs) You'll stay here then. And it's like, uh, you know, she won't eat her dinner now without, like, half an hour of coaxing. Like mm. every time it's like a battle to get to dinner and then she just eats it anyway. And it's like, why couldn't you have done this like half an hour ago? Anyway. Alrighty ladies. Well, enough about us uh, in our current lives. Let's talk, <laughs> except for you, Ashley, this is all your current life. Yes. Uh, let's talk about uh, pregnancy symptoms. I am going to just get this ball rolling with me if that's okay. Cause I've like sat down here and written a list of my super fun pregnancy. Yes. Things. Go mm-hmm. for it. Uh, so I had, as I've mentioned many, many a time, super fun vomiting, uh, 
on the verge of HG. I had SPD pain, not as bad as Ashley, but I had to tape my stomach. I had horrific back pain. Uh, I wanted to like rip my boobs off. They were so sore. Uh, I had food aversions, fatigue, bloating, headaches, heartburn. I had carpal tunnel both pregnancies. I had to strap my wrists and wear, um, what are they called? Like a, a plate thing. Like I had to like make brace? my wrist. Yeah. Brace. Oh, Good. Yeah. Great word. Um, I do wear a brace. Uh, I don't know if either of you ladies, or maybe not you yet, Ashley, but if you got it, Rachel, but towards the end of my pregnancy for about a month with both my kiddos, my stomach was just so itchy and no mm. cream, no like body wash, no nothing that I put on it could stop it. And of course my super favorite with Isabel was my Braxton Hicks contractions from 19 weeks. Whew, wow. What a mouthful. So, I had all the super fun things that they like tell you about um, like in movies about pregnancy, like all that vomiting and this is sore and that's sore and whatever. Uh, I was like that stereotypical, nothing was glowy about either of my pregnancies. Hope that when they talk about in the movies that they're exaggerating on, it wasn't an exaggeration. Or it's like, it'll stop. Well, it never stopped for me. And like I've said, I, yeah, look, I didn't enjoy being pregnant and this is why. Because it was like I had I had my very first migraine, like proper blackout migraine mm. when I was pregnant with Isabel. And obviously couldn't take anything. Like there was no pain relief I could take that would be strong enough. Uh, and it got to a point I was sitting on the couch with Drew and I couldn't speak. Like I, I, did, I forgot the word brown. Like it was just the most, I thought I was like having a stroke or like an aneurysm or something mm, because I yeah, knew what scary. I was trying to say. And in my mind, I was literally saying the word brown and I don't even know what was coming out of my mouth, but it was just like the strangest experience. And then like I had a couple of migraines uh, throughout the rest of my pregnancy with Isabel. And then I had them again with Noah, but I at least knew what was happening. But anyway, I was a super fun pregnant lady. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Okay, yeah, well, on the flip side, <laughs> I mean, um, I I had some symptoms, but they were kind of a bit random. Um, so, like, there were some that I weren't, I wasn't expecting as much. So I went in kind of going, okay, um, these are the normal symptoms you have when you're pregnant. But then at the same time, I also went in knowing genetically, like my sister, my mum, my nana, they all had pregnancies where like they had good pregnancies. They had, didn't really have any symptoms other than being tired. They didn't have morning sickness and all that. So I thought, oh yeah, maybe my genetics will be okay. So I think genetics helped me on that part, but then I had quite a few other things happening in the background. So um, for me, I I lost appetite in my first trimester. So um, like I I did, like I struggled to eat a little bit, but I didn't, it wasn't because I felt, sick it was just because I felt bloated and I just yeah didn't feel like eating that much so there was that happened a little bit um I had a heart murmur reappear so when I was born um apparently they found a heart murmur and then, then as I grew up it kind of disappeared but when I was getting checked out at the start of my pregnancy the doctor was doing the usual you know um chicken heart rates and he goes oh you've got a heart murmur. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and then it made me think, back, oh, oh, yeah, actually, I had one when I was a kid. And he said, yeah, apparently it's, some, it's something that can happen and it's relatively common. I mean, that if you had a heart murmur when you were a child, it can like reappear during pregnancy. Maybe it's a blood flow thing. I don't know. Ooh. But um, yeah, that reappeared um, 
and they kept we kept tabs on it. It was all good. Um, and then I'm just trying to think of my other symptoms. The only other thing that I ended up happening from third trimester on is I had some blood pressure issues. Um, I'll talk more in the episode about those in particular, but I ended up um, being diagnosed with mild hypertension and had a couple of low blood pressure scares at the same time where I was on the brink of passing out and things and need a bit more monitoring. Um, but I did have one positive symptom throughout my pregnancy. And I don't know if it's connected to the whole blood flow things we've been talking about, but my NLD scar on my leg, um, it actually, it looked like it improved itself oh, wow. when I was pregnant. Oh, wow. it, the, the color in it, the redness kind of faded down quite a bit and it was, it didn't look as, um, as angry and aggressive and it, it just, it didn't cause me any pain. Normally the skin there can get quite tight and sometimes itchy, but I didn't have that at all during my pregnancy. So maybe it's the, the miracle of motherhood or something, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that my NLD through the whole pregnancy, even since giving birth, it's not been a concern to me. So I guess that's one positive symptom in a way. Wow. I also, I realized I had the hypertension that I didn't mm-hmm. even think about as well. But it's interesting listening to yours and how you had like the low attached to it as well. Yeah, it, w- it was it was crazy because uh, every every morning pretty much from second trimester on, I'd be in the middle of like brushing my teeth and doing my makeup to go to work and then I would just feel faint and I'd have to just go and sit down before I could go to work for a good 10 minutes. Um, and then they wanted me to monitor my blood pressure and I'd have to check it every morning when I woke up, when I went to work, at lunchtime, when I got home. And if there was anything abnormal, I had to report in and go to the birthing unit. Oh, um, but yeah, but then out of nowhere. Of sorry? That's a lot of blood pressure checks. Yeah. Did, you, did they supply you with a, like a blood pressure machine or did you have to purchase one? Um, we purchased one. I think retrospectively, I, then, I, I discovered retrospectively, I probably could have claimed it on my private health insurance, but yeah. I forgot at the time. But um, yeah, it was interesting because my high blood pressure, so it was only the systolic that was high. So that's the top number. My diastolic number, which is the bottom one, was fine. And they got a bit conf- the, the team got a bit confused because they said, oh, normally both of them would be high. You wouldn't have such a good looking bottom number. Yeah. But that happened. And then I'd get these crazy low blood pressures out of nowhere. So yeah, a bit of that was thrown in the mix. Fun, fun time. Yeah. Well, what about you, Ashley? I mean, I know that we kind of ask you regularly, so what's happening with you? But have yeah. you got any new or like super fun symptom updates for us all? Um, oh, symptom updates, let's see. Obviously, in the first trimester, I had very, you know, very similar to what most women would have, which is kind of like that nausea, fatigue, um, you're, you know, you're hypersensitive to smells and kind of other uh, what Rachel was talking about where, you, you know, you just have reduced appetite, you can't eat mm. um, and that kind of stuff. I also had a lot of headaches in first trimester, which I kind of like didn't think about, but um, I guess like I just kind of brushed them off and didn't really mind. And I had the um, the, the period pain all through first trimester. So that kind of like, um, yeah, really painful abdomen, which now I know is, an, is a really early symptom of SPD, but... <laughs> didn't know that then um but at the moment i have um a lot of dry skin and super cracked feet which i my best friend said to me um 
when I was first pregnant, she's like, oh, you should book in for a pedicure now, um, you know, for a, in a few months' time um, in case you get really bad cracked feet. And I was like, why would I get bad cracked feet because I'm pregnant? That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, my feet are, like, extremely cracked. And despite the fact that I don't really go walking or anything because I can't or and I don't have any swelling or anything that would kind of lead to what I would think would be cracked feet but then yeah anyway um so it just means that I get to apply that lovely petty med you know that petty med stuff that everybody kind of like pushes on you at your diabetes educator and endo appointment so they give you these horrible little samples I've never heard of what you're talking about oh my gosh oh my gosh (laughs) is this a Queensland thing yeah it's gotta be Queensland (laughs) obviously us New South Wales people are like living the better life or something (laughs) googling this yeah i've uh, never heard of it <laughs> um so yeah the petty med goes on every single night without fail and despite that my, my feet are still super cracked so now i'm like filing them back and i'm like maybe i should go and get a, a pedicure but also i don't want it, people touching me right now so no thank you yeah fair point <laughs> wow <coughs> sorry that's my acid reflux cough <laughs> oh there Another we go symptom. take that off <laughs> which has just been around since day one and is probably the thing that I can't wait to get rid of the most. Like I hate SPD and stuff, but I just want the acid reflux to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold tight that supposedly Howard is going to have a lot of hair. Yeah. Look, if he doesn't come out with, he, she doesn't come out with a lot of hair, I'm going to be real disappointed. <laughs> Isabel looks like a monkey. <laughs> like I had really bad acid reflux and heartburn and she came out and dead set. Her little ears were so hairy. <gasps> Look like, at her ears too, yeah. yeah. And she had like the darkest, blackest hair. Like maybe I'll put it up on our socials this week, a photo of Isabel when she was born. Because the <laughs> nurses like used to just come in every day and like touch her hair. And they're like, did you have acid reflux? Did you have heartburns? They're like stroking her hair. And I'm like, I did. I did have it. <laughs> and then I didn't have it as bad with Noah. And fun fact, he did not have as much hair as his sister. Oh, wow. Oh, so, that's interesting. I will report back once I've had the yeah, baby good. as to whether the acid reflux was in line with the amount of hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess one of my newest symptoms is breathing. So, like, I... Or try- lack thereof? Yes. I try yeah. and to baby every night. And when I do, I'm like, and Harry went to the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you read Howard Harry Potter because I did the same thing. <laughs> um, but, and part of the breathing is apparently that I snore more, so that's great. Actually, yeah, I, that you just reminded me. See, I had mm-hmm. the breathing issue and I had the snoring stuff as well. So apparently, yeah, I just, I snored like crazy when I was pregnant. Yeah, my husband keeps being like, Wake up, roll over, and I'm like, just sleep. Yeah, I want to go to sleep. I already can't sleep because the peeing and the SPD. And... Drew said it to me once, and I was like, shut up, your freight train. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now you know what it's like. Yeah, similar situation here. Because I am the snorer. So. <laughs> I remember one time, because at, at the start, I didn't believe Ray. I'm like, nah, I can't be snoring that bad. He recorded it on his phone, and in the morning, he's like, oh, listen to this. And he played it back. I'm like, what the hell is this? And he says, you. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. My husband's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, okay. All of those symptoms that we've just listed for the three of us, obviously we had some the same, some different, mm-hmm. some to differing um, degrees as well. Like obviously mm. Ashley and I had SPD pain, but I 
didn't seem to get it as bad as Ashley and mm. Rachel and I had hypertension things, but not quite the same way. Mm. Did you ladies find um, that some, all, any of these symptoms impacted your diabetes management? Yeah, no, quite a bit actually. So yeah, like at the start when I lost my appetite, that meant that I started having hypers because my body's like, hello, what are you doing? So that w- I went into sort of tent basal land quite a bit at the start of my pregnancy because um, my eating, my, yeah, my, my general eating habits completely had changed. Um, and then I had to make sure that when I was eating, I had to have long acting carbs rather than whatever I really felt like. So there was a lot of rice cakes. <laughs> so it's, it's hard when you don't want to eat. You're like, That's I it. have to eat. That's it. And I, I, like, I, I haven't touched rice cakes since because I'm like, no, nah, never again. Um, but with me, so when I had the low blood pressures that came out of nowhere, something that was really interesting is that they'd normally be accompanied with a hypo. So when I'd have these low blood pressures happening, so I remember like what would happen is I'd feel really, really tired, struggle to focus, and I'd get a ringing in my ears and get black dots, like as if I was going to pass out, which I've never done in my whole life. So here I am freaking about passing out. And then I'd be doing a blood test at the same time and then I'd be low. So here I am trying to drink juice and ringing in my ears and all this stuff happening, trying to check my blood pressure at the same time um, and having a hypo at the same time. So... They couldn't really figure out why the hypos were happening at that time. Maybe it was a stress reaction because I was freaking out about passing out. Who knows? But yeah, that that happened. <laughs> wow. That's difficult to manage, like the two things at once and they're both kind of important. Yeah, but at the same time, Ash, like we're used to managing diabetes and everything yeah. at the same time. So I'm yeah. like, all right, something else added on. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. We're very good I... multitaskers. I yeah. found the same thing with my vomiting. Yeah. Um, because like I had food aversions and then I when I, I would just vomit no matter what I ate. So I, I stuck to a very bland diet initially. Yeah. Um and then I I really struggled with my diabetes management because I couldn't always predict when the vomiting was gonna happen. Mm. Uh with Noah that was anyway. Like he was just either straight after or an hour later so when it came to like taking insulin uh like with Isabella it was a bit more manageable I threw up like pretty consistent time frame after dinner so I used to just basically bolus a little bit less um and stuff so it was it took me a while to figure it out once I figured it out it was okay with her but with Noah it was all over the place and for so long so I couldn't tell whether I needed to bolus or not because I wasn't sure whether I was going to vomit it all up in like 10 minutes or if mm. I needed to bolus because I was going to vomit in an hour or like and I was finding it's really difficult to manage the highs and lows of I've had insulin oh now I'm sick okay I've just vomited I feel atrocious but now I've got to have something else because I know that I just had 10 units of insulin to cover you know the food that I ate and the correction or whatever um so I found that really difficult in my diabetes management and I also found, um, like you've mentioned before, Ashley, I have quite a um, fun pain response with my blood sugars. So the back pain, the SPD pain, and the migraines oh, yes, they would play sent me like all over the place. And mm. yeah, as we all know, can't take anything when you're pregnant, Yeah, really, like anything that's of any high value. I mean, you can take Panadol, but only in moderation and things like that. So. Mm. 
Um, but then that affected my CGM, which was a whole nother issue. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you can't have consistent paracetamol intake because it messes with your CGM, which was the only thing basically managing my diabetes like throughout the time. So, yeah, I just found things like that. And I guess the the lack of consistency in my symptoms in terms of like sometimes um, like I'd get headaches and they'd be fine. They wouldn't necessarily affect my blood sugar, but then a migraine would send me over the top or my SPD pain would be painful, but not, um, I don't know, not atrocious. Or I'd learn how to manage it more and then one day it'd be really bad and I would just go through the roof and, and things like that. So yeah, I just found my Braxton Hicks with Isabel. That was really hard because when I would feel them coming on, I'd have to set a temp basal because I knew that the pain from the Braxton Hicks contractions would affect my blood sugars like a normal contraction does. Mm. Um, but then sometimes they'd last for 10 minutes and sometimes they'd last for 45 minutes. Like how do, how long so, do I set my 10 basal for? Yeah, like how much of my day for like two hours and then it finished early, just like cancel it then. Or? Yeah. I basically just set them for about an hour. I think I used to set it for, and then mm. I just cancel it whenever it stopped. But then at the same time, it's like uh, I quite a few times I would start to run low after because was it really done was the question I had to yeah. keep asking myself. It's like, okay, so the pains have all stopped. Um, you know, let's wait five or 10 minutes and make sure they don't come back. Cause sometimes that would be the super fun thing mm. is that I'd think it'd all be done and I'd start getting on with my life. And then it's like, Oh, no. Nah, okay. Right. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I just found it really like a tight, a tightrope walk. Like it was really hard to, for me. And I'm sure like a women out there are, just smash it I was just not one of those women I just found everything in regard to these symptoms and my diabetes very difficult (laughs) yeah I think it does diabetes just adds an extra level of complexity to symptoms that other women are probably finding hard to deal with Mm. yeah and then we've you know we're dealing with the symptoms while I don't while having to think about how to manage the effects on our diabetes and manage them well so that we're not, you know, risking our kiddos. Or even ourselves, like just that long-term repercussions of like diabetes management that we all know about outside of pregnancy that kind of gets drilled into you from day one. And it's like all these other things and it's like, oh, is this adding to, um, oh, and the other thing I was always really stressed about was the strain on my eyes. Yeah, like my eyesight was changing throughout pregnancy as it normally does as normal women forgetting women with diabetes normal women's eyesight changes throughout pregnancy due to blood flow and all kinds of things mm. but I was always really stressed about um, the changes in my eyesight during pregnancy because I was like okay is this a um, bad eyesight thing because I wear glasses full-time I have astigmatisms and issues non non-retinopathy issues but I have all these I fun stuff anyway is it that is it pregnancy have I suddenly had a bleed like I was always really mm-hmm. worried about those things yeah um, I've been as I, well I feel the same like I don't have any I don't wear glasses or anything but we've we've just finished training the baby's ring and there's so many spots that in the daytime I go back and I'm like oh my god I missed so much here like this wall is a completely different color to here to here and I'm like, is, is that because my eyesight is worse because I'm diabetic and I'm pregnant? Mm. <laughs> and it just and like think, really freaks you out. And I think that's the thing that kind of sets us apart from uh, a quote unquote normal pregnant women or however you want to put it, non-diabetes 
related pregnant women, but it's like, so they would have changes in their eyesight expected. That is a symptom of pregnancy for everyone. And, but then that's it. That's all they think about. There's no like, I don't know. And I guess that's where we throw back in that guilt from us is it's like, is this a eyesight? Is this a pregnancy? Is this a um, a diabetes related eyesight problem? Like here's all these different things. And like, is it because I didn't do my blood sugars here or is it because I had too many lows there? And it's Mm. like all that extra stuff that's added on to a standard pregnancy symptom. Yeah. And it's like with the food aversions and vomiting, I kind of, Ashley, you had pretty intense food aversions. (laughs) Yeah. But that's it. But it's like, that's what a lot of pregnant women have. But then we have to go, okay, so have I bolused enough? Did I bolus too much? Have I bolused at the right time? Have I eaten enough carbs to get me through this? Blah, 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 blah. All this stuff that's added onto a really boring, really like pregnancy symptom. Like, oh, I feel nauseous because there's a human on my guts. Oh, okay. That's normal. But for me, it's like 70 other things I have to think about to Sally down the road, who's also pregnant, who goes, oh, I'm just going to eat hot chips. Like, That's it. It's like, it's like, because we've got diabetes in the background there, we're forever trying to connect the dots and try and find an answer for something. And then the reality is sometimes you won't be able to connect the dots. Sometimes it's just that random situation. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you're just pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you're thinking it's diabetes related, but it's actually not. (laughs) Yeah. I had a weird um, symptom that, or I have a symptom that diabetes affects, which is an extremely sensitive stomach. So to touch? Yeah, to touch. So since like week 20, I can't have anything, like anybody touching my stomach. And like, it's just so sensitive that I can't, I can't put a set in it. So like I've had to do my sets in legs and arms only since like week 20. And because you have to change a set like every two days because I'm taking, you know, huge amounts of insulin, but they start leaking on the second day. I'm like going through all of the real estate really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they go and do ultrasounds and stuff, like I'm, my stomach is literally just like pulling away from them because I'm so sensitive there. Wow. Have you tried your back? Um, yeah, I do sometimes put it into my love handles and yeah. <laughs> that fatty little bit above your butt. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like every week I'm like, where can I put a set? Because, you, you know, you're not just putting in sets, but you're putting in a CGM. So there's mm-hmm. like two things that you're trying to find real estate for. and In the same area, which you don't normally it. have to yeah. contend with. Exactly. Like normally my arms are as all, uh, my arms and legs are... Um, kept completely for my CGM and then the sets just work around my stomach back and and um, love handles mm. but now it's like I've only got legs arms love handles and back which is not you know not a huge amount actually you've reminded me actually another not, not a symptom but yeah I guess you call it a symptom that I have was um so I was taking aspirin um when I was pregnant and um that was to help with the blood pressure and things like that um, but um, what it ended up doing is it ended up making a lot of my sensor and set changes be bleeders. So they used to bleed. Oh, I'm not wow. someone that normally has them bleed when they get inserted, but um, apparently it can be a side effect of taking the aspirin is that, yeah, <laughs> blood becomes more readily available. But I guess, fun fact, it made all the blood tests that I normally get done and struggle with because apparently... Um, it's hard to find a vein on me, um, suddenly it became really easy once I started <laughs> taking the aspirin. So I'm like, oh, yeah, bring it. I'm good for a blood test. You're like, um, I can do the blood test finally. That's it. 
so yeah, I, I ended up having, so I normally would do my, um, my pump, my pump sites on my stomach and my sensors on my stomach as well. And then I'd have to move them to my thigh during pregnancy because what would happen is the, uh, the pump sites would bleed like crazy, but they'd also not read very well in my tummy towards end of second trimester. So they then moved to my thigh. I was able to keep my CGM on my tummy though. That seemed to be okay. But post-birth CGMs now moved to my legs as well because it just doesn't work. I was actually inspired by you, Ashley, in the virtual world because um, I know that you put a set in your leg for your wedding. Yes, oh, I did. And yes. I had never done that before. And when you put that on Facebook, I was like, oh, I wonder if that'll work for me. Yeah. And I tried it and... I didn't particularly like it for my sets, but it was a place that I found I could put my Libre when I was pregnant with Isabel because yeah. the CGM subsidy wasn't a thing then. And there was no way in high heaven I was paying for Dexcom out of my own pocket. Yeah. Um, but now, like, I was able to, yeah, move my sets into my legs. And I was only inspired to do so because you put it on Facebook that you did it for your wedding. So. Aww. <laughs> Yay, yeah, helped. but I found like I, I had never even considered my legs, which is funny because I used to, when I had needles, I would yeah, always same. inject my long acting insulin into my legs. In your thigh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but I just never was like, nah, that's not a thing um, for my CGM and stuff. Yeah. I also love for our listeners um, who obviously can't see what's happening now, one of our pumps is going off. Uh, <laughs> oh, but they all have the same sound. So all three of us have like on this Zoom call just pulled our pumps out to see which one of us it is. <laughs> Just diabetes. Me this time. Guilty. <laughs> diabetes life. Um, okay, so talking about all of those symptoms, obviously some uh, were a bit more intense than others. Hmm. Where did you guys seek help uh, for those symptoms? I'm going to go straight to you, Ashley, because I know that you've got um, a yeah. super fun SPD and that's kind of needing quite a bit of intervention. Yeah. Um, I guess for some of the symptoms so SPD in particular, the physio, um, and then that, um, referral from the physio to the hydro classes at the hospital. So she didn't offer them to me straight up. I had to ask, I had to say, I, you know, I think that, oh, I've read that, um, the pool may be a good option for me to exercise because I'm, you know, I was really frustrated and not being able to exercise. I'm somebody who walks a lot normally and yeah um so she was like then was like oh we actually have a hydro pool here at the hospital and a class specifically for pregnant ladies with this problem and i was like well thanks do me a <laughs> referral <laughs> so they've been yeah, helpful um and then i guess a lot of the food related ones have had to be um managed sort of with the dietitian and just like eating changes like acid reflux um I did actually reach out to BB&B for that because with acid reflux, like I just cut down a lot of the types of foods I was eating to try and minimize it because I was finding, you know, some types of foods just make it so much worse. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was my hypo treatment was making it so much worse. I was like, how do I treat a hypo without feeling like I'm just going to like spend the next several hours wanting to tear my throat out? Um, and so one of the girls on BB and B was like, Oh, I got, um, you know, there's little soft drink cans, the little, you know, the little tiny mini baby ones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I get them and lollies and I've never used lollies to treat my hypos before, but now I live on natural confectionery company and there's a massive jar of them beside my bed. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, 
I am kind of much the same. Like with my uh, food aversions and vomiting, I just worked with um, my diabetes team A regarding the like insulin intake or lack thereof and hypos and stuff that was associated with vomiting uh, and the dietitian who kind of tried to direct me to, I guess, the best way to eat. Like, so he was basically, he was great. Andrew was awesome. And he was like, I want you to just literally take your meal and assume it's going to take you like half an hour to 45 minutes to get through. Cause like the slower you eat it, the more will obviously get in and stay in your system. And then uh, my, team was always like bolus after yeah, when so. I was in like the super vomiting thing they're like stop bolusing before just yes. stop it <laughs> um and stuff like that I worked with a physio for my SPD pain uh and I I had to work with the GP regarding my carpal tunnel because I it, that was horrific for me like the pain which is part of the reason why Noel was born early because I burst into tears with my doctor uh, at my last appointment because he said uh, like everything was starting to be like oh maybe we could have this baby now Uh, like things are looking it's okay like everything's fine but maybe we could look at having this baby before next week and he said something he said oh how's your hands Uh, because at that point they were strapped and braced um, constantly which also hurt in a different way Mm. Uh, and it was things like I I couldn't even like wash my hair because lifting my hands that high for that period of time to shampoo my hair uh, just sent me into a spin of pain like it was and I'd like lose mm. all feeling in my hands and it was oh. like yeah it was like the anyway that's intense yeah it was really bad mm. it was really really bad and Especially so yeah I just a teacher with the blackboard oh my freaking god yes like I am. I'm very lucky. Technology has come a long way. So I had a smart board in my classroom, and I basically just typed everything. Okay. There was no like awesome. writing up on the board really. And I um, I had a team teacher when I was pregnant with Isabel. So anything that had to get written on the board, she wrote up. Yeah. Uh, and when I was pregnant with Noah, it was just on the smart board. Yeah. And the kids were like, "What are we doing?" I'm like, "Just wait. I'm typing it out. I'm, we're not writing it on the board because I just mm-hmm. couldn't. I couldn't really like lift my arms above my head for kind of more than sixty seconds to two minutes mm-hmm. without the pain getting really, really bad. And it would wake me up all night uh, because if I, you know, laid on my side for too long, it like cut off the blood flow to my hands or whatever. I don't know. It was just, it was really bad. And so yeah, I burst into tears, and the doctor's like, mm, "Okay, with blah and blah and blah, that was Noah." plus your hands, why don't you just come back? And we'll just have him like this afternoon. So yeah, I had to work with my GP with that initially. Um, she was the one who hooked me up with a special brace because there was ones that you can get at the chemist, which I tried to start off with. And she said I needed one specifically molded to my wrist uh, and hands. And that did help. Uh, so uh, this guy, I don't know, at the GP place, I don't know where he came from, but he came and he did like a mold of my hand um, or my wrist, sorry, and, and made a brace that was specific to me. Uh, and there were medications that I could take, but they weren't safe for pregnancy. So mm. I didn't end up taking them. Um, they're, sorry, they weren't even given to me. Like it was, they're like, oh, let's think about this. Do that little Google thing that doctors do. They're like, mm, let's not do this. Um, so... Yeah, and my hypertension. So that was another fun one, which required a bit of intervention. So basically with both my pregnancies, I had no blood pressure issues prior to falling pregnant, nor did I have Mm. any blood pressure issues at the start of my pregnancies. Mm. But my endo actually had me start on hypertension medication uh, the day that I told her I was pregnant with both my pregnancies. 
she just said uh, it's likely that you'll have uh, hypertension. So here you go, take some of this blood pressure medication from now. Oh. Uh, yeah, which I was like, oh, but why am I taking this drug for a thing that I don't have yet? Uh, which was fine, I guess, because I did get quite uh, intense hypertension. You could really tell the days uh, that I, if I missed my medication for one reason or another. Uh, and it was really funny because I was told not to take it the morning that I had Isabel uh, and obviously the morning that I had Noah, but with Noah, he came before we were expected. So I had taken my medication that morning and in surgery, after we had our Caesar with him, my blood pressure just like dropped like crazy, crazy low because it was literally my bubs, both my babies. As soon as they were out, I never touched the blood pressure medication since. Mm-hmm. Like not even a tiny bit. It was just the day they were, as soon as they were out of my belly, straight down. Um, So uh, yeah, that was just something that required a bit of uh, kind of micromanagement regularly. I started off with like one tablet. I think it it was like five milligrams or something like that. And then it just kind of built up to two, three. I think I was on four by the end. Um, And then my blood pressure was definitely fine, like with those tablets. But it was just a kind of thing where I, like Rachel, had to do regular checks. Um, I didn't buy one myself. I just went to my chemist and we did it there. And then like Rachel, if anything was a bit high, then I had to ring up my endo or ring up my GP, whoever I could get into first, go and see them, make changes, get checks, rinse, repeat over and over again throughout the rest of the pregnancy. But yeah. Did you have much like outside intervention, Rachel? Yeah, so um, right next door to my um, endocrinologist's office um, was a renal specialist. Um, So I ended up getting put into her clinic as well. Um, Unfortunately, it was on a different day than my diabetes and my midwife and (laughs) obstetrician checks. So, um, yeah, having to negotiate that around um, my working commitments, everything was... um, fun but at the same time I ended up seeing her quite regularly once I went on maternity leave so um I I I saw her I think once a fortnight from second trimester um now I'm someone that's normal normally I have blood pressure that sits at the high end of normal so it's a normal reading but it's at the higher end so naturally I sit that little bit higher um so at the start of my pregnancy it was sitting at that and they weren't too worried but then middle of second trimester was when it started to then creep up. So I got referred to the renal specialist and then it was just a case of monitoring it. And yeah, so um, it got to the stage where I think one time I was in for, I think a midwife check, my blood pressure was abnormally high, the, higher than what it normally is. So that's when I then... Um, they sent me off to do extra monitoring at the birthing unit to make sure everything was okay. It was from there on that the renal team got involved and said, right, okay, we need you to check your blood pressure at home. Um, if it goes over this amount, we want you to call the birthing unit <coughs> and go from there. So once I went on maternity leave, um, even a couple of weeks beforehand, I started going to the birthing unit, I think, maybe once a week because I'd call them up and they'd go, okay, well, that is high, so we'll get you to come in. And then it was funny because every time that I'd go in, there'd be an entourage of people to see me because there'd be my endocrinology team, then there'd be the renal specialist team, then there'd be the midwife team, and then there'd be some students that they'd tag on at the end so they could 
ask questions about all the conditions I have and you know um so <laughs> that was fun um but yeah um similar to um Carly so I, I did get put on some medication but it wasn't until um I think yeah third trimester that started um and then pretty much once I gave birth to Will um my blood pressure issues disappeared they kept me on the medication though for I think three weeks after Will was born and it did cause me, I think it caused, I feel like it caused me some issues after Will was born because my blood pressure would then sit quite low compared to what it normally does. And then when they, when they took me off the tablets, everything went back to normal. So yeah, wow. similar to Carly. That's kind it's of like interesting. good to hear. Cause you know, obviously I'm not at that stage yet where I've got, I've had any blood pressure issues in touch wood that I don't, mm. but it's like nice to hear that you've both been like, it's resolved for both of you straight away. So I'm like, okay, if this happens, it might not, you know, it, maybe it will help once I give birth or. I was, it was one of those things, like all of these symptoms, um, <clears throat> I would think about them like going for so long. So I also, a symptom that I didn't even think to mention, I had laryngitis for 34 weeks. Oh, wow. um, with Noah because it couldn't get better. And what they basically told me was all the excess fluid in pregnancy, excess blood flow, excess, you know, like amniotic fluid, 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 um, had swollen my vocal cords. And so I got it very early with Noah, uh, pretty much straight away. I think I got it like even around seven weeks. Um, and it was like kind of teetering from like when I found out I was pregnant, I think I got laryngitis as per a normal person, but it just never got better. I just remember thinking like towards the end, like this is my life now. Like it's <sighs> never going to get better. Like they would say, um, my GP said to me that she'd seen it before and we, and she would always say with some women, it clears up very quickly after the baby is born and you know, all that fluid starts to just go away and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, but for others, it can take a bit longer. And like, as a teacher, obviously my voice is, my job like if, yeah. I, if I can't talk properly then I can't do my job and it just was for so long having this like I don't know scratchy non-existent voice I just I genuinely was like this is it this is my life like it's never going to get better and even still like I uh, I used to sing uh, I still do sing but like I used to sing um very very regularly and look let me just toot my own horn. I sing all right, okay? Uh, and then, like, <laughs> there are still, like, some notes now. Noah's about to be 10 months old that I still can't hit anymore. Like, my voice just won't do it anymore. Yeah. And it's just, a, a, I guess, a long-term side effect of that laryngitis that I had for a million years. Mm. Um, but I just, like you said, actually, that it's one of those things where it's, like, it's I look at it now and I go, okay, it got better. But there was a time there where I was like, is this going to get better? Yeah. I mean, that time right now where everything feels yeah. like, oh. like, I feel like I'm just going to have acid reflux for the rest of my life, mm. I think. And like the FPD pain as well. Like the yes. pain, it's like, where, how is this ever going to get better? better? And like, especially yeah. because you got it very early um, in your pregnancy, like, you know, before halfway. So mm. for like half your pregnancy, you're going to have this pain and yeah. likely have this pain anyway. And like, that's a freaking long time mm, to, it is, yeah. to not have something subside and like the acid reflux and like that with the vomiting with Noah, I was like, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Like it's one of those things where, 
yeah, I don't know. And I suppose all pregnant women would feel that way no matter what their symptoms are. But some people, they just go on and on and on no matter whether it's heartburn or back pain or, you know, SPD, something a bit more serious and things like that. Yeah. It's like, is this ever going to go away? Yeah. Um, I guess kind of to to sum up our symptoms or to get towards the end of our symptoms, was there any like tips and tricks that you ladies found, I guess, for either your common or uncommon symptoms that you might want to share with our listeners, like anything that kind of helped. Like I know that you were saying, Ashley, they're like with your acid reflux, like a dietitian really helped. Yeah. Kind of be like, maybe don't eat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These foods will make it worse even more. <laughs> yeah, which I never thought about. Like I didn't really see a, seek a dietitian's help for my acid reflux and heartburn. I yeah. sought for something else. I didn't even think to ask. Like. Yeah, yeah. I like. I guess I kind of already talked about where I kind of got help, but like the biggest tip or trick that I can think of is to just know like what, what, we, what you were just saying that it will end. Like that's kind of like, it's a real mental battle with some mm-hmm. of the symptoms, like really kind of like you really have to try and find some other way to bring your mind out of that space because it can get overwhelming, especially when you have like so many symptoms at once. And it does just feel like it's going to be there forever. And that this is your life now. And I made the mistake of reading a horrible Facebook post from this lady whose SPD never went away. And now she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And that was a mistake. That was a big mistake. Stay away from the internet. (laughs) Don't read bad posts because it's unlikely that that will happen to you. So, Mm. and and it didn't, it didn't contribute at all to helping my mental health. Yeah. Yeah. With trying to deal with it. So yeah, I just have to, yeah, I guess that's for me just know that it, for most women, everything ends and just have to think about other ways to distract my mind when those symptoms are getting particularly bad. Like if I'm in bed at night and I wake up and I'm like, Oh, the acid is in my mouth and I feel like I'm dying. (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but like, yeah, yeah. What what do you do if you don't laugh at it? Like exactly, yes, yes. What about you, Rachel? Yes, I've got two. So I've got one that's lighthearted and one that's a bit more serious. So my lighthearted one is always take extra food with you. And I mean, hey, we're used to doing this as people with diabetes. We carry our hypo food with you. And I don't just mean that. I mean, when I was struggling to eat, and I'd spoken spoken with a dietitian, we wanted to make sure that I was getting enough of the important types of food that me and my baby needed um i would carry around i'd get hubby to chop up like a box of cucumber sticks and carrot and grape tomatoes and some rice cakes and i'd just pack them up and take them with me everywhere especially on the days where i'd go to hospital for appointments and i didn't know when i'd be coming home because most likely i'd get admitted for extra monitoring so i wanted to have some fresh fruit and veg with me because it's something I couldn't really get at the hospital. So I ended up, yeah, carrying extra food than I normally would. And my serious tip is don't be shy to get things checked out because um, even if it's something that the treating teams don't know why it's happening, it's so important to go and get it checked out. Like don't feel like you're being an annoying patient or whatever by going to the birthing unit and getting things checked out because 
your blood pressure is probably going up or this, that and the other because it's better to do that. And even if they don't know why it's caused, it's good that you've had things checked because, yeah, you don't want to have all these what-ifs. That's my takeaway. Yeah, and if you get them checked out, you can ask for help. Like, Yeah. And know that you can ask for help. Like, go back to if the first strategy that they give you isn't working, go back and say, that didn't work. What's a new strategy? Yeah. And I completely agree that, like, bring it up. If your back's in pain, bring it up. Just mention it at your next appointment. Mention it with any of your team because there may be something you can do. Like with my vomiting, they ended up putting me on the wafers because we tried different Mm. things before they, like, admitted me to hospital to get rehydrated. They're like, let's try this and this and this. Like, there was a process to follow rather than me just going, oh, yeah, people vomit during pregnancy. It's Mm. just bad. Like, bring it up and they can go, actually, that's a bit much. Like, that's not normal vomiting or that's, you know, moving towards this HG or, like, yeah, lightning crotch, Ashley. No, like, that's actually a bit worse. Like, it's one of those things where I think we, as women with diabetes, like, we are so used to kind of just managing it ourselves. Like people with diabetes Mm -hmm. in general, like are so used to just going, Oh, you know, I'll just take this under my belt as well. And just like going through the motions, just keep going with my day. Like it's just another thing I've got to think about and I'll just get on with it because I think that we, particularly as women with diabetes, but people as with diabetes are just super resilient. Like we just go, shit it's just another thing let's keep yeah, going it's another um, thing. <laughs> like it's just another thing we have to do another thing we have to think about but in this instance it is the endocrinologists the obstetricians the midwives whoever is a part of your team it is their job to be like yeah that's normal okay maybe it's not so like Rachel said just get checked out just mention it and then they can tell you actually let's do a fetal assessment or actually let's get you on these endosterone wafers or let's do blah 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 because at the end of the day, your team is there to help you just get through this and get through this in the best way possible. Mm. Like you might not be comfortable, it might not be great, but they can, might be able to give you something or some kind of guidance to alleviate your issue. Yeah, and they can kind of help you think outside the box as well. Yeah. So some of my SPD pain gets really bad at night, like super bad where within two hours of going to bed, everything aches where I've been like, you know, like this each side and I kind of toss and turn because everything's so painful. And I went through, you know, different strategies with the physio until finally they said, why don't you change your mattress? And so we went into the spare room because that's a newer mattress and I haven't had the pain at night as bad. So I can now get through to 6am before feeling pain, Hmm. which is amazing. And all I had to do was change my mattress. That's awesome. And that's it. Like, it's something like... I would never have thought of that. And that's it. Like, even your your doctor Googling, like, probably didn't say, change your mattress. mattress. But, yeah, so I I would agree with Rachel that my top tip as well is to just get it checked out, bring it up. Yeah. At the end of the day, someone will just say, that sucks. It's normal. Yeah. Or they'll say, that needs more investigation. Yeah, exactly. And then you just know, rather than you deciding what's wrong with you is normal or not so yeah Mm. anyway i think that's kind of about it for symptoms i hope that our listeners get something out of that because i wish that i had somebody tell me that the things that i was going through other people were doing it as well because i felt like a pretty crappy pregnant lady 
Mm. watching my friends like have these really glowy pregnancies with like no nausea and like no boob or back pain and I'm like here like an old lady crippled in the corner being like I hate all of you I love this baby but I hate all of you and when people talk about their amazing hair growth and stuff that I'm like that never happened (laughs) yeah they're like I want amazing hair yeah (laughs) so yeah hopefully our listeners out there I don't know get some solace out of this Mm. yeah but yeah well thanks Carly and Rachel I think that kind of sums it up for this week so thanks for joining us for another week of Mama Beaties make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that others can find us too remember to us to follow us on Facebook just search Mama Beaties Twitter at Mama Beaties or on Instagram at Mama Beaties underscore podcast to reach out, please email us at mamabeaties.podcast at gmail.com. If during this podcast series you feel you need to reach out for additional support, please contact your usual treating team, Handy's National Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Helpline on 1300 726 306 or Lifeline on 13 11 14 outside of Panda's operating hours.